0: Hello there, Duke fans, and welcome to episode number 559 of the Duke Basketball Roundup. It is Saturday, November 18th, 2023. Duke, back in the win column again with the win over Bucknell last night. We are here to talk about all of it in a very, very interesting way. Before we talk about how we're going to discuss this game, I am Donald Line. I am your host for this episode, and I'm going to first off bring in Jason. Jason, good morning. How are you?
1: I'm I'm doing great, Donald. Your audio... Your video, everything about it sounds and looks great considering where you are.
0: Yes. For those of you out there, I am in Trinidad and Tobago. As you all know, I'm in, in, in soccer.
1: Are you in Trinidad or Tobago?
0: I am in Trinidad. I am in Port of Spain, the capital city, um, beautiful, beautiful city. I am looking out over the uh, mountains and everything right now. But as a result, Jason, they, they don't like college basketball down here. Uh, and the way that the uh, TV rights kind of work, once you leave the country, the, the the rights of college basketball kind of stay in the United States, and I left. So unfortunately, I was not able to watch this game last night. But what we're going to do, Jason, I know you watched the game. I, I know a lot of our listeners did, and we got a lot of headlines about this. So we're going to take this recap of the Bucknell game in a different way than we normally do. We'll still have our headlines. We'll still have the good. We'll still have the bad. But it's going to be more of an interview, Jason. Jason, I'm interviewing you because you're the only one else. <laughs> that's on this show right now. So first off, <laughs> let's get the basics out of the way. Duke, again, back in the winter's column, 90 to 60 victory over Bucknell last night in Cameron Indoor Stadium. And Jason, we begin as we normally do with the headlines. And so I turn it to you. What headlines do we have out there that could tell me, this person who snuck off to Trinidad and Tobago, something about how this game transpired?
1: Well, we'll start with Courtney Spence, who says she's a longtime listener of our podcast but the first time she's ever sent in a headline and she had a couple good ones i'm gonna give you both of hers she clearly is a listener because she understands alliteration so her first one was balanced blue devils bounce bucknell i really like that <laughs> and say balanced. that this five was... times fast jason yeah right exactly I, i'm not gonna try uh this was a very balanced blue devil attack she also gave us mark mitchell muscles past bison um and and this was look uh, Donald, we talked about it. I'm the guy who said Mark Mitchell would never lead Duke in scoring. I was wrong; he led us in scoring this game. Uh, I, I think part of the story of the season so far is that Mark Mitchell is way more aggressive, taking the ball to the hoop than he than he was uh, last year, and, and and he did it again and again and again against uh, against Bucknell, and and that was a, a big part of Duke's success in this game. I also want to shout out. Um, uh, speaking of alliteration, Nick Soprano came gave us devil's duo mccain and mitchell make mincemeat of bison i like that one a lot um and we'll be talking about jared mccain i guarantee that (laughs) chris Immershine provided flip slips but mitchell and mccain are muscle men as devil's buck bison boy just tons of rhyming and stuff like that there and and donald you didn't get to see it but i will tell you about the little scare that happened with kyle filipowski that ended up being nothing and then the last one last headline i really liked was uh Nate uh, Damon I hope I'm pronouncing his name right it might be Damon Um, the buck stops here uh, making a a alliteration to uh, uh, Bucknell the buck stops here Blue Devils snap longest home losing streak of John Shire's career (laughs) remember hey you you gotta you gotta start somewhere yeah exactly so yeah John Shire's longest losing streak ends at one Uh, and let's keep it that way for a long long time okay (laughs)
0: Jason, we're going to switch to the good, and before we do that, I, I kind of want to start with that, you know, that elephant in the room. Again, I had been following the the game with friends. I w- obviously was not able to watch it, but I was still kind of keeping track of what was going on. And of course, my my phone blew up when Flip went down early in the game. Talk about that injury, or at least the the scare that we had, because he did come back in the game. I see that he did get ten points. Was it something that was? Do Duke fans need to be worried about Kyle Filipowski right now?
1: No, I don't think so. It, 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 look, it was uh, it was clearly a case where he was trying to post up. He had a guy on his back and he kind of he, tw- he turned his ankle. It did not look like a bad ankle turn at, at the time it happened. In fact, I was a little surprised they were uh, Stanley Borden and, and one of the other guys who wasn't I couldn't tell who it was uh, helped flip sort of limp back to the locker room. I was like, man, it, it just didn't look that bad on the replay. Um, I was a little surprised that he came back in the second half, that he came out for the start of the second half. He went down with about four and a half, five minutes to go in the first half. And and like I said, immediately went back to the locker room. Clearly it was something that after a couple minutes, he was like, wait, this is, this is perfectly fine. You know, I I think Shire could have held him out and, and Duke did not need Kyle Vilipowski to win this game. We were dominant in many, many phases of, of the contest. And, and as we said in the preview, Donald, you know, Bucknell, just, they're one of the, you know, bottom 50, 60 teams in, in all of college basketball, they were not able to stay with Duke. Uh, they had you know no chance of that really. Uh, but, but I think, I think Shire wanted to get Filipowski back out there so we could, so Flip could feel good and confident and not worried about the ankle at all. Um, look, we, we don't play again until Tuesday. I'm sure the team will, will probably take at least one day off this weekend. And uh, you know, I, 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 it's nothing it was nothing to worry about. It was kind of forgetful game for Philipowski. Other than that, um, you know, I thought he actually he played good defense, but but there wasn't a lot else about his game that really stood out compared to a few other guys.
0: I mean, look, Jason, he had ten points, six rebounds, two steals and a block. If that's yeah. if that's if that's calm. If that's yeah. a cold night for for Kyle Filipowski, was, I think yeah. a lot of teams would take that. <laughs> exactly. um, but it, it it is interesting, you know, when we talk we're, when we're about the uh, the injury or at least the the ankle thing, you know, a lot of people were just like, oh no, flips down, flips down, and you know, like Twitter and all that stuff doesn't necessarily read or listen to reports. So I'm glad that you're able to provide me a little bit of context about how it happened and how he entered the game. And, and sometimes you do need to get back into the game if it's not that serious, just again, like you said. So you can have the confidence to say like, hey, everything's okay. I'm going to be good. But I'm I really, uh, I'm really glad that he's okay. And hopefully we'll get You know, a couple of days of rest from Cal Philipowski. Let's move on to a lot of the good. And I know there was a lot to spread around, Jason. So I want to start with a, a stat that we've been kind of tracking so far this year, rebounding. 46 to 27 Duke out rebounds Bucknell we talked about how they were a smaller team than teams we've usually faced. And of course, one of the bottom 30 in division one basketball, but talk about how well some of these guys did, namely a lot of the guards, because I see a double double, and it's not from a big man. It's from Jerry McCain.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, the big, the big rebounding stats are that Duke out rebounded them on, uh, uh, you know, uh, offensive rebounding wise, just huge. We had 13 rebounds. They only had five. We out we got 23 to zero. Duke won second chance points. Um, you know, it's sort of interesting, even though we had the 13 offensive rebounds, our, our offensive rebounding rate was 37%, which is good, but it's not like it's super dominant. The place we were really dominant was on the defensive boards, where we had an 87% defensive rebounding rate in this game um bucknell missed 38 shots and duke grabbed 33 defensive rebounds that's i mean that is that's some serious work in the defensive boards and you're right to to mention that the guards did a really really nice job of helping out on the on the defensive boards jared mccain uh, look if you had jared mccain as the first blue devil of the season to get a to get uh you know double digit rebounds please take your ticket to the cash out window and and collect a very large prize because I don't think any of us expected that he was he was going so hard on those defensive boards was boxing guys out and and fighting dudes for rebounds I saw I mean he really got up in the air and reached for them and uh it just seemed comfortable and confident doing that I mean that's that's a huge huge deal for a young freshman guard who frankly is kind of playing out of position because he's been I I think his, you know, his future, you know, in the NBA, uh, you know, people probably would expect at the college level is as a combo guard. And he's really, he's being asked to play mostly kind of small forward, you know, more, uh, you know, he's a wing, but, but he's asked to to guard bigger guys and he's playing sort of a bigger role at Duke than you might've expected at a, at a lot of programs. And and he's having no trouble with it at all. And he finally had the game where he broke out from distance, rain threes, five of seven from long range, uh, a number of them were taken, not like one step, but two or even three steps beyond the three-point line. Jeremy McCain has unlimited. Jeremy McCain's and Tyrese Proctor, both of them. Like, if you leave them open, you don't have to leave them open from 19 or 20. If you leave them open from 23, they're going up with it. And uh, and and both those guys had had really nice games shooting the ball.
0: I, I especially like Jeremy McCain, the way he rebounded from the game he had against Michigan State. You know he's kind of had an up and down, yeah. Uh, first few games, and, and again, that, he's a freshman. That freshmen are going to go through those those growing pains. But I do like how do you again, it's not necessarily about how you perform, but how you respond to adversity. He you look, know, he's he's sitting there and he's like, hey, I had a terrible game. I got a rebound. I got to do do what I need to do to help the team win, and he was able to do that again. Ten rebounds. Forget to forget the you know the cashing of the ticket. What numbers are you playing in the lottery, Jeremy Cain? Because yeah, exactly. I want to know. <laughs> Those, but, but again, we've talked about how a lot of times our perimeter defense has been good to the point where teams are taking a lot of long jumpers, which means a lot of long rebounds, which means our guards need to step up. We talked about that on the preview, uh, or at least the recap of, of the Sparty game and the preview for this game. We talked about how our guards need to step up and make it where it's a team event when it comes to rebounding. It sounds like that happened last night against Bucknell.
1: Yeah. And and you mentioned the type of shots that Bucknell was taking. One of the things I had in the good that I think may have gotten overlooked a little bit by some people, you know, when you're looking at McCain getting all these rebounds and and draining threes, Mark Mitchell had a big game. We'll, we'll talk more about him in a second. To me, I thought Duke did an outstanding job on defense for the most part. And when we get to the bad, there's going to be a little thing I'm going to mention here where they didn't do a great job, but um, they forced LaSalle into bad, difficult shots. Almost this entire game. I thought, uh, Kyle Filipowski and uh, and Ryan Young did a great job on Noah Williamson. The the uh, sorry, not Lasalle. I'm getting ahead of myself. The Bucknell big man who 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 never got anything going at all for them. He's their second leading scorer, and he really he really couldn't get. He, he wasn't successful on the blocks. He wasn't successful when he stepped outside. Our our bigs did a great job on him, but but our guards for the most part were the story on defense. <clears throat> they forced Lasalle to work so hard. And, and forced LaSalle to take lots of shots late in the shot clock. There was a ton of dribbling going on from LaSalle, and and I don't think that was by design. I think that Duke was doing such a good job with the perimeter defense that whoever had the ball for LaSalle – God, I keep on saying LaSalle. Bucknell, Bucknell, Bucknell. I, God, you know who I'm talking about. I, clearly, I'm prepared for the preview for LaSalle. <laughs> Our next game. Whoever was dribbling the ball for Bucknell was couldn't find – teammates to pass it to and we just saw I mean we saw them pounding the ball into the ground like what am I going to do with this ball next repeatedly throughout this game it was it was a very good defensive effort by Duke and 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 I think that defensive effort was largely led by the pressure on the perimeter
0: Jason before we go to some of the other guys we're going to talk about in this good part because there's a lot of good to discuss there's a question that I have for you see that as you watch the game there was a point in the first half where Duke was only up seven points, and then all of a sudden uh, they went on a pretty nice run, it seems like, to get to the end of the half and make it where it seemed fairly comfortable at halftime. Is there a couple guys there that were the catalyst for that kind of run, or was it a, a team effort? Again, you know, you mentioned the perimeter defense turning into offense. You mentioned second-chance points. But is there a guy that stands out in some of these runs that kind of made it where where Duke fans were kind of like saying, "Hey, this might be a, a closer game than we thought." To wow, this is way more comfortable. We're good to go.
1: Well, the cra- the, the surprising thing is a, a lot of the run happened. the The late run that gave us a very comfortable halftime lead happened after Kyle Filipowski went down. Um, I feel like that both Ryan Young, even though Young it wasn't his scoring. By the way, Young had an incredible game passing the ball. And I'll get to that in a second. But uh, but Ryan Young and Mark Mitchell. It felt to me like both those guys were like, okay. Flip is out. We're going to make sure that things are are perfectly fine on the interior here. Um, Mitchell, you know, Mitchell started really taking the ball to the basket at that at that point. Duke also hit a couple threes during that stretch. You know, it was the it was the usual suspects. It was McCain and it was Proctor who were primarily doing hitting the three pointers in this game. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't know that it was any you know any one thing that Duke did other than I think maybe Flip going out. The team went okay. We need to refocus a bit and and they had little trouble pulling away from Bucknell when they did that. Uh, look, this was a game where Duke's outside shot was on. Uh I, I, and I don't think uh, you know, we hit 38% from long range, which is good. Oh boy, I'll I'll take 38% any day of the week for this blue blue devil team, but that's actually a deceptive figure because TJ Power, Spencer Hubbard and Neil Begovich all missed three-pointers in mop-up time. We went 0 of 6 on three-pointers like in the final you know, three or four minutes when those guys were in there. So if you take those out, you know, again, not saying they're not part of the team, but if you take out those sort of mop-up minute three-point shots, Duke was 13 of 28 on three-pointers. That's better than 46 percent. That is scorching, my friend. That is just tearing down the nets from long range, and they were good three-point shots. Every one of them was open. Uh, We've been hearing and we've you know, we've speculated that this is going to be one of the better long range shooting teams that we've had at Duke in a while. And I think you really saw that happen in in this contest.
0: And it also seems like, you know, going back to Jared McCain, it seems like a lot of that, not necessarily the pressure of being a good three point shooting team, but really just like as a team, it rested on him breaking out. Right. We've talked this whole year so far up to this point about how Jeremy Kane really hadn't broken out yet from beyond the arc. He was supposed to be the guy, you know, I picked him in the stats game to lead the team in three point percentage. And I thought a lot of people probably were assuming that Jeremy Kane was going to start knocking him down at some point. And that helps lift the team, too. When you see a guy doing what he is on the court to do, essentially, it makes it where everyone gets that confidence to start hitting from downtown, too. So the fact that he broke out last night is a great thing, not just for himself. But for the rest of the team, because if they start seeing him knocking him down, then everyone's going to you know, have that confidence and just jump on the back with them. And everyone's going to have uh, it feels like the, you know, the, the jar is like, you know, several inches wider than it normally is. And that's when start, you know, stuff starts going down. But, Jason, one part of that, you know, a lot of teams, when you have open jumpers. It's because you're being the ball is being moved into position where oh, yeah. everyone's open. A lot of assists in this game, 23 assists and 32 made baskets. Talk about the ball movement in this game.
1: Uh, Yeah. Look, the, the assist rate, you mentioned 23 assists for a, it was almost 72% assist rate. I mean, that's unbelievable. And when you then put stack that up against the turnovers, only seven turnovers in this game, Duke had a 3.2 assist to turnover ratio. That's ridiculous. I mean, you know, um. The, the report I got on the game from, from the Duke Sports Information Department said, this was Duke's best assist-to-turnover ratio of any game this year. I'm like, no, duh, 3.2. Three, three <laughs> really? <laughs> we <laughs> we can league. math.
0: That's a <laughs> crazy. That checks out.
1: Yeah, it's like that's a crazy assist-to-turnover ratio uh, for Duke to have in the game. Um, Caleb Foster led the team with six assists. Big, big number from him. Tyrese Proctor had four, so we get 10 assists out of our two point guards. I mentioned earlier Ryan Young had five assists in 14 minutes. Are you kidding me? Five assists in 14 minutes while you're playing center. That's just, it's crazy from Ryan young. And,
0: and that's what we want from Ryan young, right? Like we're not relying yeah. on him to get 10 points. You know, we're relying on him to maybe provide some rebounding, which, you know, I think helps, especially again, when you mentioned when flip was out, but it's really about him working the ball around. We've seen all summer long him being a part of the offense in a way where he gets the ball, you know, high key or, or maybe even low post and is finding his teammates for open threes or open looks to drive to the lane. We're we're at our best when Ryan Young is passing the ball. Well,
1: yeah. And, and the craziest thing about those three guys, those were our three assist leaders. Again, Caleb Foster has six. Ryan Young has five tires. Proctor has four. That's a total of 15 assists out of those three guys. They combine for zero turnovers.
0: <laughs> we love that. I mean, come on. We love when that. That math, yeah. that math is, is, does not exist. Yeah, that's just that's <laughs> the that turnover. Your three radio. leading,
1: leading assists guys have zero turnovers. That's just outrageous. And deep tease, Donald. When we get to our play of the game, I'll be mentioning a Ryan Young assist. There's no question what the play of the game I love was. it. You'll 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 hear about it in just a little bit. Uh hey, uh, the, I, I just really quickly, but as we wrap up things in the good, I wanted to mention a couple players who stood out. We we haven't talked enough about Mark Mitchell. Um Duke is now 17 and one. Seventeen and one in games where Mark Mitchell scores in double figures. Um, this was a career high for him. His twenty points. Look, his three point shot still looks bad. I'm just gonna say it. His three point shot is just still. It's still too flat. But he's gotten so much more aggressive, as I mentioned, about taking the ball in the lane. He puts a you know he gets in there and just starts putting all those different spin moves on guys and and he's finishing really really well in in the paint. And I, I didn't I didn't expect to see. Mark Mitchell being as aggressive as he has been this year on offense. Um, when, uh, you know, I've mentioned when I made my prediction that he would never lead the team in scoring, it was because I didn't think he'd be shooting as much as he is. And he is taking really good shots. And the other thing is, dude is getting to the free throw line and just making him again. And I, I need to look and see, I think he's like around 90% on his free throws on the season. Is just a, a really big number from Mark Mitchell. And then the last guy I wanted to mention, haven't talked about him at all so far. But I wanted to shout out Sean Stewart, who had seven rebounds in 16 minutes, three offensive rebounds. Uh, there there were a couple of his offensive rebounds where you just saw that he was. We talk about rebounding out of your area. You know, it's one thing to grab the ball when it comes to you. Like like Jared McCain did a great job of grabbing the ball when it came to him. Uh, Jared McCain just isn't doesn't have the size. He doesn't have quite the athletic ability to be a guy who's like. Oh, it's seven feet away from me. I'm going to beat everyone else to that ball. That's what Sean Stewart is. There were a couple rebounds I saw. I saw Sean Stewart get like offensive rebounds, long rebounds where you're like, oh, that's who's, I wonder who's going to get that one. And you're like, oh, wait, I don't need to wonder. Sean Stewart is getting that one. He is really, you know, he really goes after it. Uh, He also had three steals in this game. And look, I want to be clear. I've said this before. He's still, he's still like a puppy dog out there. You know, but he's running around with boundless energy. He's unsure where to go, but he has unbelievable energy. And when he gets a little more discipline, when, when we teach our puppy dog exactly, you know, don't pee over here. Let's go outside before you pee, okay? When we teach our puppy dog a little bit more, Sean Stewart is going to be a devastating, when he gets a little more disciplined to his game, he's going to be a devastating basketball player i'm gonna go ahead and say it right now i mean that dude is just he's gonna take he's gonna take over games at times because of that athleticism but but in the meantime he's gonna have games like this where he grabbed all he had four fouls by the way you know he's like too aggressive he had four fouls in 16 minutes if we played him as a regular more often he would foul out of games um but uh, I, you just see you see what could happen from this guy and and i was so excited by it uh, even though we're still only catching little glimpses of it here and there. And and I think it's going to take him a little bit of time. This is not someone where I'm I'm like, oh, once December rolls around, he's gonna have it figured out. Um, but but man, you talk about maybe February. That dude could be just wreaking havoc on the inside because he has so much athleticism and so much aggression.
0: Jason, we're gonna wrap up the good real quickly, but before we do, I, I kind of want to use some of those performances that you mentioned to kind of highlight something overall that i saw john Shire do last night and he utilized his bench we had five starters and we had five players off the bench that average that had more than 10 minutes of playing time and then we had a couple you know begovich and and hubbard come in during mop-up duty I, i look this is what duke fans were asking for right they were asking for to see this bench utilized to get some of these guys playing experience and to be able to see what they can do on the floor. We saw TJ Power over 10 minutes this year or or, uh, in this game. Christian Reeves, the only reason probably he didn't get 10 minutes is because he didn't play because he has that ankle injury uh, that's been bothering him and they set him out. So otherwise you probably would have seen a a sizable amount of minutes from Christian Reeves. Talk about John Shire and his rotation and also just, you know, again, overall how the bench did in this game.
1: Yeah, so I like the fact that he he managed to get T.J. Power in. I don't want to say early, but you know, late in the first half, I think it was. Um, but T.J. Power got some. It wasn't just mop up minutes for him. It still looks like he's probably going to be mostly a mop up minutes kind of guy. I, he, it feels like he's further away than the rest of them. But but Sean Stewart came in early. Caleb Foster, of course, came in early. Uh, Ryan Young had a great game off the bench. It feels like you know those three guys are the, uh, and Jalen Blakes, I, you know, I always overlook Jalen Blakes and he doesn't deserve to be overlooked because he's just a terror on defense. Those four guys, I should say, are the crux of the rotation. And I, I imagine that you'll see those guys playing in, in every game, uh, maybe not big minutes, but you're going to see them in every game. But yeah, this was a game we talked about it in the preview where with an overmatched opponent, Duke had a chance to, to really um, stretch out the bench a bit and, and let these guys play and, and try out different combinations. At one point, Donald, um, the four freshmen and Jalen Blakes were the five guys in the game. And I was like, this is just kind of an interesting, you know, well, I didn't expect kind of an interesting combination. Okay. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was kind of cool. But, but the big thing to say about John Shire is this Donald first time in his career, John Shire picked up a technical and. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, you need to go back and watch this. So what happens is this Mark Mitchell is taking a, a shot. Um, He drives in the lane and as he goes up, he gets hit on the body and then during the shot, literally one of the, the uh, Bucknell players like slaps him in the face. I mean, he got whacked Guala pretty hard. The ball goes in and the refs call nothing. And John Shire's like, they cannot assault my player and have you not call anything. And he's just laying into the ref and like, 15 or 20 seconds into the next Bucknell possession, the refs blow the whistle. They're like, I'm calling to Like, I, clearly, Shire was just, all, you know, the, there's one of the refs near him on the on the sideline. Shire was into that guy in a big way for the entirety of that possession. And he was finally like, I've had enough. This was John Shire's 500th game at Duke. Games that played as a player, as an assistant, and now as a head coach. It's his first technical. He finally pissed off a referee.
0: And Jason, uh, Jason, I I need to know the answer to this question. Who was the get back coach? We, we, every team has one. Who was the get back coach for John? I Shire? think it was
1: I think it was Carowell. I think I saw. Okay, I it that that's,
0: that sounds about right. That's yeah, about right.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, because Seawell, you, you see, Seawell is always right next to right next to John Shire there on the bench, and and I tend to see Shire lean over and talk to him more than more than anybody else. I think it was Seawell was the get back guy, but uh, but yeah, it was great for John Shire to to uh. To burst the bubble on the technicals, I I don't. I don't need to see it a lot. Don't need to see it in a close game, but in a game like this, he was like, "I gotta defend my players."
0: Well, I I think that's great, and I think again that only helps build the bond with his team with his uh, team that much more. You you almost it's 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 one of those things where you like. I know Mark Mitchell probably turned around and was like, "Yo, coaches, reaming into this dude to protect me." Like. That that probably helps serve as a as a catalyst for the guys to do well and again run through brick walls for a coach like that. But also I'm glad that Sewell is the get back coach. He's probably the only guy on the staff that is a, a little bit, you know, a little bit more you know, built than John Shire. Like he's a little bit slightly oh, taller. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, little, no, a little C-well's bit more built thick. Uh, uh, thick. <laughs> yeah, no, like I mean, like dude can still play, like that type of thing. That type hey, of thing. Let's
1: remember dude guarded uh Tim Duncan.
0: I mean, right, very famously,
1: <laughs> Sewell guarded Tim Duncan. So, yeah, so he could guard yeah. John
0: Shire against it and, yeah. and be the get-back coach. So I'm glad we have a good get-back system set up in place at Duke University. Hey, Jason, that's going to wrap up the good. Let's take a quick break. On the other side, we will review some of the stuff that needs to improve. And also, LaSalle is coming to town next week. We'll talk about that game after this.
1: Increasing with the improving weather and more daylight. There's more pressure to be on when you're interacting with family, friends, co-workers, even strangers, even when stress has you a little bit down. And for some, getting advice from a therapist can help you tackle some of that stress without affecting you or the people you care about. That's what better help is all about. It's entirely online and it's designed to be therapy that's convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a professional, licensed therapist.
0: And you can switch therapists anytime you want. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and find your social sweet spot. Visit betterhelp.com slash Roundup today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash dukeroundup. Alright, Jason, we are back from the break. We are going to discuss some of the things uh, that you saw in this game that need to improve, and we're going to start it's funny, we're going to start the way we left off with the Shire technical, and sometimes the Shire, you know, a technical by a coach is used to motivate a player or motivate a team to get back into the flow of things, but that's not quite how it went down, did it?
1: No, no, it, it kind of isn't. So John Shire picked up the technical and Duke was up 19-9. to 9. It was about 8 minutes into the game, and up to that point, Duke had done a great job on Jack Forrest. You and I talked extensively about Jack Forrest in the pregame. Uh, this was a guy who, he is the scorer. He is the guy with the ball in his hands for for Bucknell. He's the one dude you needed to watch out for. And we had, we had completely shut him down up until that moment of the game. And so Shire picked up the technical. And I noticed that Bucknell sent Jack Forrest to the line to take the two technical free throws. And he knocked both of them down. And I was like, um... I wonder if finally seeing the ball go through the hoop is gonna matter for him because he hadn't hit anything to that point. Boom. It became Jack Force time for a couple minutes there, Donald. Dude rained down a couple threes and some twos. He like ripped off 10 points in the next four possessions. It went from like a 19 to 9 Duke lead to a 21 to 19 game. <laughs> like suddenly it was like, oh wait, they came back into it. Now, uh look, we kept him largely in check after that, but that was bad because coming off that coming off that technical by John Shire we lost some defensive focus and and you you know you you cannot have that kind of thing uh, luckily this was against a team where you know they really only had one guy who could who could hurt you and we let him hurt us for that little that little stretch but but i thought um you know if we're going to talk bad that was a moment where you would have expected something different from the team after the shire technical and and it and it, you know like i said we lost a little bit of, of defensive focus
0: Yeah, and and again, when you have a technical foul, the idea is mainly to draw attention to whatever it is that you're yelling about. You know, what foul or what you know something that happened. But sometimes it again is a way to kind of motivate your team. And and when that happens, and I'll give them some grace. Is like you just mentioned, 500 games for John Shire at Duke in his first technical, so they probably didn't understand how to react to that. Uh, And he's it's not like he isn't a fiery guy. Like he's been on the bench before and 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 really gotten to referees, but he's always done it within, I, I guess, reason um, before last night. And so I'm going to give him some grace. Sometimes it's hard to react to a coach doing that, but now that they've seen it, they probably know that they need to dig in even more. Um, you know, we remember the old, you know, with coach K, we get a technical, he'd stomp around or something and cut, you know, tell the crazies to fire up and everybody would go, Oh, see, now you have messed them up. Now, now you got them awake. That's, <laughs> that's what needs to happen. So Cameron crazies next time. To, we're, not, we're not expecting John Shire to have a slew of technical fouls, but if it happens next time, I need you guys to, to ratchet up a little bit. Uh, Jason, let's talk about some of the players that probably didn't have as good a showing as they normally do. Yeah. What players stood out to you as some uh, that need to improve?
1: I mean, it, it's got to start with Jeremy Roach. Um, you know, again, he, he kind of disappeared at times, or at least he was defer- – you know, it, it, this may be a lot of Jeremy Roach deferring to the younger guys – given them more of a chance, you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what's going on. He only took five shots in this game. He didn't have a single assist. He had a couple turnovers, turnovers, um, only nine points. Uh, his usage rate was like down at like Jalen Blake's kind of levels. And in the case of Jalen Blake's, his usage rate is low because Jalen Blake's knows that, that, you know, offense is not his calling card. Well, offense is kind of Jeremy Roach's calling card. I, I, I was, I was surprised this was, You know, second game in a row where Jeremy Roach just seemed not super active, like not like he was completely inactive, but it just wasn't it wasn't quite the Roach that that we expect to get at at times. Uh, You know, again, you know, McCain was having a great game. Uh, Tyrese Proctor, who I haven't talked about very much, had a really, really nice game, Um, was, you know, hunting his shot a little more than Tyrese Proctor usually does. And, And maybe Roach was just deferring. But but we're going to need Jeremy Roach to be better than this, to be more aggressive than this uh, at various times this year. The other guy I wanted to mention is Caleb Foster, who, frankly, to me, was gunning, was was looking for his shot a little more than I'd like to see. I think that coming off that Michigan State game, he sort of was like, I'm still super hot. And maybe he was. He checked. Yeah. Yeah. He, He had the second most shots, shot attempts on the team. Mark Mitchell had 13, almost all of which were taken at the rim. So I'm I'm cool with Mark uh, or wide 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 open three pointers. They were they were stepping way off of Mark Mitchell and leaving him wide open. So uh, there wasn't a single shot that Mark Mitchell took that I was like, "Well, that's a bad shot." Uh, I will not say the same thing about Caleb Foster. Um, I don't think Caleb Foster needed to be taking nine shots in this game. Um, he was only two of seven on threes. They weren't they weren't bad threes, um, but you know he came back down to earth after after the huge game he had against Michigan State. I guess that's to be expected. Um, but I thought, you know, if we're going to, if we're going to be honest in the bad as we were supposed to, uh, Roach and Foster, both of them to me, just weren't that great. And then the last thing I have in the bad, Spencer Hubbard, Spencer, Spencer was hunting for points. He took two, three pointers and that is bad for the stats game.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you trying to win the stats game. It game, game four, Jason.
1: Yeah. He's trying to he try to knock me out very, very early on. So, yeah, so uh, Spencer Hubbard, I had in the bad, but I'm kind of kidding about that. In all seriousness, though, among the sort of deep bench guys, T.J. Power missed all four of his shots. He missed three threes in the 11 minutes that he played. Um, Look, I'm I'm not sure. I I think it's kind of doubtful that T.J. Power plays a big role for Duke this season. But I really want that kid to have confidence. I want him, when he gets time, to feel good about that time. Uh, because these kind of things can can spiral a bit on you, and uh, T.J. Power had some open threes that he took that didn't go down for him. I know that he's confident in that shot. I know he's seen it fall in practice. I know his teammates are confident and the coaches are confident in him taking it. I just wanted to go through in game so that he can feel better about himself um, and doesn't get in a situation where um, you know. Look, you've seen this with some deep, deep bench guys who are good shooters in the past, um, where where they they miss a couple and suddenly you're like, oh, you know, are they, when are they going to hit one? And it gets in their head, I think. So, so that's one of the, the last thing really I had in the bad was that I was hoping that TJ would, he'll he'll get more chances the next couple games, I think. And, and seeing the ball go through the hoop can do wonders for a shooter.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, again, I, I think the one thing when you take all the freshmen, all the freshmen have had good games uh, for the most part, all the games, all the freshmen have had bad games. At some point so far in this early part of the season, it's about consistency. That's thing, That's something that's going to develop as the year goes along. T.J. Power has an off night. That's fine, but he needs to be ready when his number is called next time. Because as we've seen, you know, Jeremy Kane had a bad game against Michigan State, had a great game last night. Caleb, Caleb Foster did the opposite, right? You know, bad game against Arizona, comes back against Michigan State, doesn't have quite the game he had against Michigan State last night. So Although he that's a what lot of happens.
1: Yeah, a lot, lot of assists, yeah.
0: absolutely, yeah. So there, again, it's about factoring ways to help the team, even if it's not going to appear in the stat sheet. Whether it's good defense, whether it's again passing the ball around, you, you get that hockey assist, so to speak. That's not going to have a one next to your name, exactly. But it led to the pass that led to the pat, you know, led to the shot that that went in. So those sort of things are all things that are going to come as the season moves along. And the great thing is, these freshmen are not in a position where we are relying on them super heavily, like we have done freshmen in previous years, right? Like, most recently, yeah. all the freshmen that come in have to have the ball, like, you know, the Paula Bencaro's design, Williamson's, those guys were called on to do everything, every game. These guys are not. We we have a deep enough team that that should not be the case, even though, as as we've mentioned, some of these freshmen have stepped up at key moments throughout the season so far. So that's going to come with time. I'm really looking forward to that, but I'm glad that we got a lot of guys off the bench and got them some playing time against Bucknell, because we're going to need that as we transition to the next game that comes on Tuesday night against the LaSalle explorers, much better team. uh, We can't get
1: to LaSalle yet. Play of the game time. I got to do. Oh, that's
0: right. That's right. Player of the game or play of the game. Tell me what's, tell me what's going on. You said it was a Ryan young play. Yeah, there
1: are two, right. There are two potential plays of the game and both of them involve Ryan young. We got an email from James Allen who wrote to us at halftime. At halftime, he says, halftime and we already know the play of the game. Donald, at one point in this game, late in the first half, Ryan Young got a steal in the open floor, like anticipated a pass coming to the the big man and just sort of stepped in, knocked it away, picked it up and went the length of the floor for a dunk. And James Allen was like, that's the play of the game, Done. (laughs) done. He's like, I don't even see anything else. I already know. He'd be right, except there was a play in the second half Tyrese Proctor drives the lane, dishes to Ryan Young. The entire defense, you know, turns their bodies, their heads. They're like, oh, Ryan Young. And Ryan Young then gives it back to Foster. It was like a touch pass. It it happened so fast. For some reason, these idiots on ESPN did not show us a replay. This happened so quickly. It was unbelievable. Proctor to Young, back to Proctor, and then Proctor laid it in uncontested. Ryan Young, that pass was so sweet. It's one I, I can't believe a center made that pass. It just shows you Ryan Young's skill. To me, that we got about we got about seven emails suggesting plays of the game. Some people were talking about Ryan Young's steal and and um uh, breakaway dunk. I think and the majority of the uh people who wrote to us think that the Proctor Young Proctor assist was the play of the game and they are right.
0: Look, if he's taking some of his game from Nikola Jokic, who likes to do those yeah. touch passes all the time, I'm with it. I think rest of Duke, Duke, uh, Duke fans would be uh, be okay with that too. And, and that leaves me, Jason, uh, as we wrap this up again, thank you to everybody who sent in headlines. Thank you to everybody who continues to send in uh, their analysis of the game. Continue to do that. Dbrpodcast at gmail.com. As games happen, send us your headlines. We will read our favorite ones on the show. But, you know, now we got to go to the next game which is the yep. LaSalle Explorers. That is on Tuesday night. They are ranked 193rd in Kempom, so much better than uh, than Bucknell. But, you know, to be frank, most teams in college basketball are better than Bucknell. So we have to yeah. look out for uh, the LaSalle Explorers. Jason, real quickly before I give it to you for analytics, LaSalle 3-0 in the season so far. Um, they play Southern Indiana tonight, uh, so we, we cannot talk about – that game yet, but they have beaten Drexel, they've beaten Northeastern, and of course they've beaten Bucknell in this blue devil challenge thing. So yeah, by uh, the way, that,
1: that that Drexel wins a pretty nice win. Drexel's a pretty decent club.
0: Yes, yes. Um, and Drexel's, you know, always one of those again. When we talk about some of these non-conference opponents, it's about have they beaten teams that you've heard of? And yeah, most people when they hear Drexel, they go, oh, Okay, that's a decent team. And again, big five in Philadelphia one of the, you know, premier rivalries.
1: Actually, Drexel's not in the big five. We're going to get to that. They're not
0: the big five? Oh, okay. Yeah, never mind. Um, I'll tell you who
1: the big five is because there's a – actually, let me just go – can I go ahead and do this? Go ahead. Go ahead. ahead. So LaSalle is coached by Fran Dunphy. Yes. You're like, like, Fran, I know that Fran Dunphy,
0: Temple. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and Penn. He started Mm -hmm. at Penn, was then at Temple. Now he's at LaSalle. By the way, he graduated from LaSalle. Like he – you know, this is his alma mater. He is the only coach to coach three of the five big five schools. Literally dude's been a head coach for like, it's like 30 years, close to 30 years. And it's all been at schools in Philadelphia. He's never had to move. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But the other, the other big five schools are Villanova and St. Joe's.
0: St. Joe's. Um, Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So the big five is Penn temple LaSalle, Villanova and St. Joe's. But Fran Dunphy is the only guy to coach at three of the five big five schools. He's a hell of a coach. Um, he he won four has been to
0: Cameron several times when he was yeah. with, with Temple. And I believe also with Penn, people will have to check me on that. But I'm pretty sure Penn visited uh, Cameron once uh, when Fran Duffy was coach there.
1: Yeah, when he when he was at Penn, he had a couple of years where they were like 11 seeds in the NCAA tournament. That's a mm-hmm. big deal for an Ivy. Like they were really, really good. And then he had some Temple teams that were outstanding. He had some Temple teams that were like, you know, four seed, five seeds. He, he had a run of like four or five teams in a row that won 25 plus games. Really, really good coach, and it's going to be fun. He's seventy-five. You know, he's late in his career. Uh, it's going to be fun, sort of, to watch him and John Shire interact a little bit. Uh, I'm I'm sure that John Shire, like, you know, I'm um, he knew he knew Fran Dunphy's name from a very very early age. I I guarantee you. And and it's just kind of uh, you know we can talk more, but we'll talk about LaSalle as a team. But I did I wanted to get a moment to to mention. Uh, Fran Dunphy, one of the special coaches in college basketball history.
0: Well, I'm actually glad you mentioned that because in my lead up to your analytics. I was going to ask if you, you know, if the analytics kind of show this, but Fran Dunphy basketball teams are normally very disciplined teams. They don't, you know, they're very physical, but they're not going to foul a lot. That's a lot of what made Temple great is that they were able to be physical without fouling. And, you know, at the same time. They're just hard-nosed. They're going to go right at you. They're going to you know, try and get to the lane. They're going to try and draw fouls against you and wear you down. Uh, but they just they just have a team that's just, like, tenacious every single time. In this LaSalle team, again, I know we're, we're very early on into the season. What have you seen from the Explorers that lead you to believe that, hey, Fran Demfrey has his nose on this team?
1: Yeah, so the big thing about LaSalle is that they're going to really try and grind you out on defense. Um, they have one of the slowest defensive possession lengths. In in all of college basketball, 340th. There are, you know, 360 or so teams in college basketball. LaSalle on defensive possessions in terms of how long it takes the opposition to get a shot off, um, is 340th. So they are definitely a, a team that's gonna grind you, make you work hard on the offensive end of the floor. And and you mentioned that's a that's a staple of Fran Dunphy kind of teams. They're good at forcing turnovers. They're not a great defensive rebounding team um, among the bottom 50 or so teams in the country at defensive rebounding rate, almost 37% um, of, of opposing shots end up as offensive rebounds. That's going to be a place that I think Duke is going to need to try and take advantage of LaSalle in a pretty big way. On offense, their analytics say they do a good job of holding on to the ball. They don't do not commit turnovers at a, at a high rate. Um they're a decent, not great, but a decent three-point shooting team at about thirty-five percent, and have a really high assist rate, sixty-one percent. This is a great passing team. They share the ball really well, and they typically take good shots um, once they've once they've shared it with each other. They're not a deep team at all. This could be a factor in this game. They are three hundred and forty-first in the nation at bench minutes. Like they basically are not playing their bench minutes at all. They have fifteen guys on the roster, but only eight of them have played in any games. Like, literally, they haven't had guys 9 through 15 haven't played a single second on the season thus far, which is just kind of a really interesting sort of thing. Should we... Um, yeah, by the way, they're one of the smallest teams in all of Division One. Like, you know, that's another analytics kind of thing in terms of, you know, if you look at minutes played and the height of everybody and how they're playing those minutes, they, they, they will have a really tough time with Duke's size. Uh, one of the first things you look at when we're playing one of these you know, smaller conference teams, is, oh, do they have, do they have the size to match Duke? But LaSalle really, really doesn't. And I, I think one of the biggest problems they're going to have is a guy like Mark Mitchell, who has shown, oh, you're going to put a smaller guy on me? I'm just going to take him in the lane and shoot over him. And, and you're, gonna, you're not going to be... I, this, crazy as it sounds, this could be another big game for Mark Mitchell, I think, because they just don't have the size to guard him.
0: Also, the guards. I mean, the guards that they start are one and 5'11". And the guards that we're starting are six, six, three at a uh, Jeremy Roach. And then the rest are like six, five or six, four. Like yeah. we have, we're going to have some trees. And, and the thing about that, usually when you have smaller guards, that means they're going to try and swipe at the ball, right? So you got to take care of the basketball. That's the first step uh, for our guards. But also, as you mentioned, down low, they have a guy that's six ten. And I think a guy that's maybe six, eight. And after that, it's six five, six one, five eleven. Like not a lot of size on this team.
1: Yeah, the, the, the 6'10 guy is uh, Rokas uh, Josius, I think is how you pronounce his name. He's from Lithuania. They they really don't use him on offense at all. I mean, his job is largely to rebound. He's not a great rebounder, but, you know. He, he, his when you're job, the tallest
0: guy, that's your job, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. His job is to rebound, you know, try and put a body on the opposing team's big man. I think he's going to have real trouble if flip you know takes him outside and and really puts some moves on him and stuff like that he's going to have real trouble matching up with with flip i think and he's really the only guy they have who can match up with flip um donald d have you seen their gu- they they've got they, their guards are small but they've got a mm-hmm. trio of of really experienced guards all juniors and seniors um it's led by uh, Jameer brickus who's a great shooter dudes hitting better yeah. than 50% from 3 this year he hit, like, almost 40, 38 40% last year. Um, hits a high percentage of his two-point 2, two point shots. Averages 17-plus points per game. They've also got a guy in the wing, Anwar Gill. Um, doesn't take a lot of outside shots. Not a good outside three-point shooter, but really good at taking the ball in the bucket, taking it in the lane. Scores about 12 points per game. The guy to watch out for, who I think this is the really interesting thing, is Khalil Brantley. And, and Brickus, Brantley, and Gill are the three guys who have the ball in their hands the most. Uh, so Khalil Brantley averages right around 12 points per game. He's a terrible shooter. <laughs> if this guy Volume was on shooter. my team. I would have no hair. I would look like you. You're bald. I have hair. I would have no hair because I would have pulled it all out. Khalil Brantley d- is not a good three-point shooter. Doesn't take a ton of threes. He takes a ton of mid-range to long-range shots that are not three-pointers. Super inefficient. Like, He's, hit, he's hitting less than 40% of his two-point attempts this um in his career, and he's a high-usage player. Like, I, I don't understand. You know, like, this year he's averaging 13 points per game, hitting just 36% of his shots. If you can only hit 36% of your shots, why are you shooting so much that you're getting, like, 13-plus points per game? He's, he's just – I'm going to be real interested in seeing what Duke does with him. There's a piece of me that's like, let Khalil Brantley take as many bad shots as he wants. <laughs> it is worth noting. I mentioned Brickus, Brantley, and Gill. All three of those guys average better than four assists per game. We talked about the fact that this is a team that moves the ball around really well. And those three guys are the guys with the ball in their hands, and they're the guys who are passing it all over the place.
0: You know, there's another guy that I want to highlight that you didn't mention uh, is Andres Murero from three-point land. He's also as good. Um, you know, he He's shooting 58% from three so far. So him and Brickus are going to be the guys um, – Marrero is not a guy that's going to be involved in the offense that much, but when he is in the game, that is what he's looking to do is is fire from deep. So uh, it's again, the perimeter defense is going to step up in a big way. I also think uh, I also think when it comes to our big men, I, again, we may see a lot of, Sean Stewart in this game, we may see a lot of TJ power in this game. Like those guys, again, gaining confidence against a team like this is only going to help. It'll be interesting once again, to see how John Shire utilizes his, uh, his rotations when it comes to this game. I think we'll have the same starters, but at the end of the day, who's going to come off the bench and who's going to really perform. Again, I think this might be another great game uh, for Ryan young because I think Ryan young off the bench is going to be really, really key. uh, Especially again, when they're, when, if, if it's him and flipping the game, then they only got one guy that's six ten. The other guys are going to be looking up and saying, "Who? Who? Which one do you want me to check?" Uh, you you take big man, I'll take little man, like yeah. that sort of thing. So, <laughs> we'll, we'll see a lot of that in this game. Uh, last minute, last thing, uh, word on LaSalle, Jason.
1: Yeah. So uh, first of all, just super quickly, it is worth noting uh, LaSalle is the best of the other teams in this multi-team event that the Duke has put together here. That's not to say they're. You know a team that really should be able to compete with duke i mean this is a game that ken pomeroy thinks that the duke wins by about 20 points but but still la salle is i guess you'd say the most most dangerous team in this multi-team event but the thing i wanted to mention about them they've got one of the most interesting weird rosters that you've ever seen so on the one hand it's a super regional roster they've got five guys from pennsylvania one from dc one from new jersey one from the Bronx. So eight of the guys in the team basically are within like a, you know, two or three hour driving distance of LaSalle. The rest of the team, every other guy in the team is like international, like super international, <clears throat> Lithuania, Serbia, Venezuela, Argentina, Spain, Turkey, and Sweden. They even got a guy whose last name is Ireland. He's not from Ireland, but his last name is Ireland. But Where's like, he from? Where's he from, Jason? <laughs> uh, he's from Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, i think he's the guy from pennsylvania just like you um, drew it up yeah exactly but i'm just like you, you either live within like three hours driving distance or you live like five or six time zones away <laughs> from the it's kind of it, it, it's sort of a it's a crazy roster i wonder what i wonder what the locker room's like you know with all these you got seven guys from other continents and then eight guys basically you know live driving distance from the school it's just an interesting roster construction.
0: Yeah, uh I mean the game is international now, Jason. And this Lithuanian pipeline that some of our opponents seem to have, like I don't, Marty Poches, where you at, baby? I need you need you back <laughs> yeah, back exactly. at Durham. Put those guys this way. Marty's uh, scouting but no, in
1: the NBA. Marty's a big time NBA scout these days. Yeah.
0: He can scout, he can still he's part of the brotherhood. He can still, you know, put in a word or two. Like that's that's, wait, that's wait, no wait, way well, we,
1: we do have Tyrese Proctor on this team. No one comes from a further distance. The Tigers probably he's like the other side of the world. Exactly. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. He, I, I've made that trip. It's not, it's not close um, yeah. by plane, by car, or even by ferry, but uh, uh, we'll leave it at that. LaSalle, that game is on Tuesday night, 7 PM Eastern time on ACC network. Jason, we're going to get out of here. This has been episode 559 of the Duke basketball roundup. Thank you all for listening again. Thank you for your headlines. Continue to send them in dbrpodcast at gmo.com. Check out Homefield Apparel. Check out Fanatics. They are going to be having a ton of Black Friday sales over the next week. And Homefield Apparel, I know, has started already. If you use the code DBR Podcast, you'll get fifteen percent off your purchases. And again, it helps uh, us, you know, again save you know save some money on the show with hosting fees and all of that stuff. So until then, for Jason Evans, I am David Wine. This is the DBR Podcast, and now it is time for the Duke Band to play us out and take us home.
1: Hey, just super fast. Uh, Mm -hmm. What's it like down there? Have you been to Trinidad before?
0: Yeah, so this is my third time here, and uh, I was – so, Jason, the last time I was here was the game that we don't talk about. Um, Oh, yeah,
1: like World Cup qualifying, right?
0: Yes, um, 2017. I was at that game. Um, So, it's been – I mean, all all that aside – this island is beautiful um really really enjoyed down here so i got in yesterday we didn't do much yesterday except kind of hang out at the hotel we might get out kind of walk around today but um it's not like a beach uh area right like we're kind of like it's an industrial city there is a beach on the other side of the island called maracas bay is one of the more beautiful beaches in the entire caribbean we may do that on sunday we've done it each time we've been here so we may do that tomorrow but uh yeah the game's on monday and then I'm on the, you know, red eye on Monday night heading back to the States. So
1: Yo, you say we to... like there's a crew of like how many folks like are like you and come to like every U.S. national team game?
0: Uh We have probably 20 here so far. There's more coming. So we usually have a nice, decent group going on away trips is so much fun because it's like, hey, do you like travel? Do you like soccer? Well, you could do both on this trip and people yeah. like. It Sounds great. I'm in. Um, So it's been very, pretty cool. A bunch of us were on the same flight down with the uh, we were on the flight down with the Trinidad and Tobago team um, going from Austin to here uh, because they don't fly charter. Yeah. So but they had to fly through Miami (laughs) and uh, which is this thing is that flight was at 517 and we were like, man, I know I'm tired and I can't imagine how they feel. They played a game last night and now they're on this 5 a.m. flight stuck with us going to trinidad and tobago over the course of like 10 hours so um but yeah so we're gonna actually it's about the time for me to hit the pool right now